You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. It is The Rob Carson Show on this Wednesday, October 11th, sans Rob Carson. It's Michael Pelka back for a second day and honored to be here. Really happy to be here. There's so much going on today. If you thought yesterday was a busy day, buckle up. Today's even busier. And yesterday, I went back and watched the 10-minute speech Joe Biden gave, the address that he gave with Kamala Wright and Kirby to his left. And they both were trying to put on their serious faces. And Joey was trying to get through the speech. And I think he did okay, actually. I'm going to give him a passing grade, but he was 90 minutes late to the time when he said he was going to talk to us, and then uh, four days late from when he should have talked to us. So you get a passing grade, but barely, barely. And then the president went and did a little speechifying to a um, a, a U.S. Fire Administration audience uh, with some FEMA folks involved. Just in case you missed it, it it was his usual mumbling, fumbling, bumbling, stumbling style. Joey, talk to us. There's things we can do to make the job a little bit safer. And that's what I want to talk about today. With the effects of climate change becoming more severe, fire departments that never trained for wildfires to fight wildfires are facing wildfires head on now. And Jill and I just visited Maui. In the wake of that historic fire there, excuse me, I have a bit of a cold. So he's coughed and blown his nose and lost his confidence in the first 24 seconds of the clip. He came out of the blocks hot, you know, all confident. And then he started the coughing. So is this guy okay? Is he healthy? Well, we know that cognitively he's challenged, but he's not okay. He's not okay. He keeps losing faith in his own words throughout this less than one minute clip. I bet firefighters have performed breathtaking acts of heroism while their own homes stood at risk and some burned to the ground. This is National Fire Prevention Week. And the one thing we can do to make our jo- your job safer is to prevent the fires in the first place. So we launched a national initiative offering federal grants to help local governments <coughs> adopt the most up-to-date building codes. Huh. I just wonder, are we ever going to get a full report on the president's health? Are we ever? I'm from the era when I I grew up when uh, Ronald Reagan's colon was uh, depicted on the front page of USA Today. Do you remember when Ronald Reagan had a a checkup and they were worried about him and they did a cross-section of his colon in a cartoon sort of a form, animated, if you will? On the front page of USA Today, we can't get a single page of a health report on this guy. I wonder why that is. Is it because that maybe the administration is thinking, well, you know what Joe said back when he was vice president? Remember that? What he said when he was VP? If 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 I reach something where there's a a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. Hmm. Well, a boy can dream, can he? 
Yeah, I just I just recalled that clip when I was watching Joe with the FEMA people, and and he didn't take any questions, of course, because all the media wanted to ask about was uh, what about the Americans being held by Hamas? How many, and what the heck are we doing? And how many Americans have been killed now? It's 14, maybe more, likely more. How many Americans are being held by these animals, by these vermin, by these horrific criminals, war criminals? And yeah, apparently we got confirmation on the most horrific story of the day yesterday. Apparently, apparently the Israeli government has confirmation that babies not only killed, not only ripped from the arms of their parents, Babies were beheaded by these savages. Beheaded. So as nightfall hits the Middle East, as nightfall hits Israel, and the power is cut to Gaza, and the 300,000-plus members of the IDF who have amassed on the border get ready to go in and wipe out the remaining vermin. I know a lot of the a lot of citizens of the Gaza Strip have left. You only had three days warning to get out. So Israel had zero warning. Israel had no warning. Anybody who's got a problem with it, um, I, I have a problem with you and your reality. And we'll cover this because there's, there's a lot about this. There's a lot about this today being said by Democrats and by Republicans. And the Democrats are kind of surprising me. I didn't think they'd go this low. I didn't think they'd go this far. I didn't think they would be this much in league with terrorists. Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, who I believe is soon to be the senior senator, because let's face it, Bob Menendez is some deep doo-doo. He's up to his neck in it. And even his wife now being investigated for uh, what appears to have been a hit-and-run murder years ago that she got away with, with the... uh, car that she ran over somebody and then the local politicians kind of helped her out. And that's when she ended up getting that Mercedes through the connections to Bob Menendez and some of his shady dealings with foreign governments. I don't know. Egypt? Hmm. Egypt connected to this? I wonder how long Menendez is going to last. He keeps saying he's not going anywhere. But uh, Cory Booker, who hopes to be the senior senator from New Jersey, was actually in Israel. And he's trying to trying to spin this to his direction again, saying how how brave the Israeli people are and what a horrible thing this was for people in in Israel to be attacked, innocent civilians to be attacked by Hamas. And then we go back in time. We go back in the time machine and we remember when Cory Booker was standing with the Palestinian Hamas connections at the Netroots Convention posing with people who are dreaming about envisioning the destruction of the state of Israel. You can't have it both ways, Senator, and we do have the receipts. I just want you to know we've got the receipts, so we're not playing along. That was my little early rant out of the blocks today because there's, uh, as I said, there's so much going on. There was a, a briefing that just wrapped up in the House uh, where the members of the House were given a briefing, confidential briefing, top secret briefing about what's going on with Israel and basically what our military is likely planning on doing in order to rescue American citizens. And I hope I hope SEAL Team 6, I hope Army Rangers, I hope whomever is able to go in and get those Americans out of there. But this administration doesn't exactly have a good record 
on rescuing people from foreign countries where terrorists are doing their thing. Do we need to go back two years ago to Afghanistan? I, I understand that there are members of uh, American hostage families who've been told by the White House that uh, their family members should make plans to get those folks out, you know, using commercial airline carriers. Hmm. The last time I checked, every airline, every American carrier was canceling flights in and out of Israel because it's just so dangerous. There's rockets in the air everywhere you look. So if this government can't tell the Americans who have been captured and held hostage or are still alive inside Israel and want to get out, that they are willing to do that, that that's another fail for this administration. We need to make sure that everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because when we look back on this, and a lot of people are still saying, well, you know, it's Iran. We gave Iran $6 billion, and that's, uh, that's the reason why this happened. And the Democrats are saying, no, you, you, can't, you can't connect those dots. There's no proof of that happening. Really? Really, there's no proof of that happening? We have nobody who stood up and predicted this was going on? Nobody at all? Hmm. Well, I remember back, way, way back, way back to August of this year, to strike. Biden's ransom payment will be immediately used to stoke violence, bloodshed, and mayhem throughout the Middle East, putting Israel, the United States, and the entire world in very grave peril. Joe. And here we are. Here we are, not even two months since President Trump made that prediction. He was absolutely right. But the Democrats are telling you, the Biden administration is telling you, well, there's no evidence. There's no direct connection. Of course there isn't. Money, again, yesterday's phrase that pays, money is fungible. Money is fungible. You can, you can move it around anywhere you, you, you want once it's in your personal budget. Oh, well, they didn't withdraw anything from the bank of Qatar. No, but they know. It's like getting your credit limit lifted. Your credit card sends you a note. And you've been, you've been at maybe $5,000 limit on your credit card. And your credit card company sends you a limit. It says, hey, we... You've been such a good customer. You're such a good risk. We've raised your credit limit up to $20,000 now. And you're thinking, I could go out and smack that credit card down on the counter and buy me something real fancy. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. But what about, what about Israel's right to exist? We need to talk about that today. We'll talk about that. We will talk about the, the uh, confidential top secret briefing that the House got. The House is also supposed to vote on uh, whether or not we're going to have a speaker. I was this close, and I'm holding my thumb and forefinger very close together here by the microphone, this close so you can almost see it, to getting uh, Congressman Thomas Massey from Kentucky on the show, trying to get him while they were taking a lunch break because they, they worked last night with all the members of the GOP caucus talking about what they were going to do, who they were going to vote for, people making their pitches. Then they had the meeting this morning with the briefing. And then apparently this afternoon is pretty locked up. I just got this note from uh, Massey's rep says, doesn't look like we're going to have any openings throughout the remainder of the afternoon. The GOP conference will likely be meeting on an ongoing basis as it attempts to determine a speaker and Representative Massey will be in attendance for the duration of these. 
He may be available at a later date. Now, Massey earlier today gave a 2% chance of the Republicans coming together on a speaker. 2%. That's not good. We need to get this done. We need to show leadership. So I hope the GOP House can get its act together. And if you want to talk about anything we're talking about today, you're welcome to join the conversation. 800-922-6680 is the number. 800-922-6680. It's Mike Opelka once again in for Rob Carson on The Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. Rob is out today vacationing. Mike Opelka is my name sitting in. If you want to know more, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the usual suspects of social media. I know it's X. It'll always be Twitter. It's hard to change after decades. Just because you want a new pronoun doesn't mean you're getting one from me. Sorry, Elon. I love your disruptive nature, but... I'm not changing that quickly. Anyway, you can find all my stuff on social media. And if you want to see the stories that caught my interest this morning, because I do a a prep sheet every morning before dawn, it's posted on pureopelka.com, pureopelka.com. And there's, it's no cost, no ads. It's just what catches my eye. And I usually promote where I'm going to be, but this was another late-breaking uh, fill-in. But anyway, we're here. You're welcome to join us at 800-922-6680. And about just over an hour from now, we're going to talk uh, economic policies and uh, specifically binomics and how they're destroying our economy. Because they are, with the great Chris uh, Markowski. So hang out with us. you gotta, you got to stick around. Uh, so many things I want to touch today, uh, topically, not uh, not physically, topically. Shame on you for thinking that way. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure we spend some time giving an attaboy to Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul, co- completely off topic of the war, Senator Rand Paul yesterday uh, speaking on, I think it was Fox Business with Stuart Varney, And they were talking about uh, Fauci, because Rand Paul is not done with Anthony Fauci. But I have to tell you, as happy as I am that Rand Paul still has this stuck in his craw, and he's going to go after Fauci based on what we heard yesterday, Jim Jordan really should get the the congrats on this. But here's uh, here's what Senator Paul said yesterday. From the very beginning, Anthony Fauci knew he was involved with funding this lab, and he did everything possible. It's throughout our government. Eight different agencies in our government are covering up their support for this lab in Wuhan. It's ongoing as we speak. Even though we've had a unanimous Congress declassify the information, I have classified unclassified information that's being withheld from me to this day. But we have evidence, yes, that they were dishonest, that Anthony Fauci lied in hearings to me, which is a felony, punishable up to five years. We now have emails that show him saying that he knew it was gain of function, that the virus looked manipulated, and that he was worried that this came from the Wuhan lab. February 1st of 2020, then he spent the last three years saying, nothing to see here, 
We also know that there was a safety committee that should have reviewed this, and we know that Anthony Fauci went around the safety committee. The safety committee set up in place to make sure this wouldn't happen never saw the Wuhan funding because Anthony Fauci allowed the funding to go around the safety committee. This is a bombshell revelation, and this will eventually bring down Anthony Fauci. Well, a couple of news flashes here, Senator Paul. As great as that information sounded, that's old news. That is old news. If you've been paying attention, and I have been paying attention to this, that, that uh, declaration that uh, Rand Paul just made about February 1st, uh, he's off by a day. Jim Jordan, yes, that Jim Jordan, the guy who's one of the candidates, one of the two leading candidates for Speaker of the House, those votes will happen sometime today, we hope. Jim Jordan, more than two years ago, held a hearing in the House. Jim Jordan had asked Dr. Fauci to show up. Fauci was too busy that day. He had to go to MSNBC. But uh, Jim Jordan had Fauci's emails. And Fauci's emails tell a tale that nobody's really talking about. So let me just give you the short version of it here. Go through a couple of clips. Jim Jordan with Fauci's emails over two years ago. Jimmy, talk to me. Friday, January 31st, 2020, at 10.32 p.m., Dr. Fauci gets an email from Christian Anderson. Christian Anderson's a British researcher who's received numerous grants from NIH. Two really important sentences are in that email. Two sentences that get Dr. Fauci's attention. The first is this. The unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features look engineered. Again, this is January 31st, 2020. Second sentence, Eddie, Bob, Mike, and myself all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. Email arrives 1032 to Dr. Fauci on January 31st, 2020. Now, Rand Paul, to his credit, he's within a couple hours here because this was late night on July 31st of 2020. And Rand Paul said he knew since February 1st of 2020. But there's more evidence that uh, Jim Jordan has. More emails. He got this entire email chain that Fauci received the first one and then responded back. And we need to go through them because while I'm happy Rand Paul is taking up the mantle on this investigation and will not rest until we have some kind of accountability. That's the word of the day for the government. Accountability. Until we get some kind of accountability for Fauci and his cohorts and the people who took American taxpayer dollars and covered up a pandemic that was unleashed on this country and on the world by the Chinese. Until we get some kind of accountability, I don't care if it's prison, I don't care if it's taking all his money away from him, because he was the highest paid government employee for decades. Something has to be done. This guy just can't continue skating along in his retirement, which he is still spending time on those Democrat social or Democrat mainstream media outlets. We'll get to it. I'll play you a couple more of... Jim Jordan's emails from Dr. Fauci, to and from Dr. Fauci, just around the corner. It's Michael Pelka in for Rob Carson on The Rob Carson Show.
Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. It is the Rob Carson Show, the Rob Carson Show, in case you're keeping score. Michael Pelka is my name, sitting in again today. Thank you for being here. Uh, a quick update. I know I opened the door on this story about Rand Paul and Jim Jordan and Dr. Fauci, but a couple of updates as, as we keep an eye on things. The State Department now is saying at least 22 Americans have been killed by terrorists, Hamas terrorists in Israel. And we still don't know how many are being held hostage by these dogs. I shouldn't say that. Dogs are too good. By these these vermin creatures, slime. Yeah, 22 Americans, 22 of our brothers and sisters have now perished at the hands of terrorists. And we better, we better help Israel exact revenge as night falls. We're also hearing To give you an update, residents in northern Israel, as you heard briefly in the news at the bottom of the hour there, uh, that uh, residents in northern Israel have been told to shelter in place because a large scale drone attack is apparently being watched. And terrorists on paragliders, which was similar to what happened at that uh, festival in the south where the paragliders came in to the music festival and just started mowing down people. The uh, IDF is reporting a suspected infiltration from Lebanon, which is probably Hezbollah. And I would venture guess that this is planned, that a lot of this was meant, the initial attack was meant to draw a majority of the Israeli forces to southern Israel and then look at a, an, a, uh, an attack from the north. That seems to make sense. So all the residents have been told uh, they are supposed to enter their protected areas into shelters until they are told otherwise. So this is escalating. And I think this is really day one of Israel's real efforts to to shut down whatever the hell Hezbollah and Hamas were planning. But we'll we'll get back to um, we'll get back to the Jim Jordan Rand Paul thing in a minute. But the phones are lighting up. So I appreciate you being there and being patient. 800-922-6680. Glenn in Catonsville. Uh, welcome to the program, sir. What's on your mind? Thank you. I, you know, with everything that's going on and everything, I, I'm a proud Republican, but I'm absolutely embarrassed at what the conference is doing. And I blame my, Matt Gates. I, I think he loves the camera too much. He and seven other so-called Republicans decapitated our conference. He's essentially shut down the government without doing an actual shutdown. And, and we look like idiots. And we actually, are, I think we're, thanks to Matt Gates, I think we're making uh, Biden look like a strong leader with all this going on in the Middle East. And I, 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 I think he's going to be an anchor on any chance for uh, getting enlarging or keeping the House, much less enlarging the majority, for maybe taking the Senate. And I think he's going to be an anchor on Trump's presidential election, too. Thank you, Matt Gates. I know Rob Carson is a big fan of his, but I'm not stupid. 
Well, it, I I like some of the things Gates stands for, but if you're going to do what he did, if if he and his acolytes are going to take out the Speaker of the House, you better have a plan to fill the void immediately. And even yeah. though nobody could have seen this war coming, uh, something always happens. An emergency always pops up. Exactly. So there was no plan to fill the void. There was no plan and to have up the 45 day extension on the continuing resolution where we could be getting something decent done. But he's burning up the days on that 45 days now. He and his well, seven so-called Republicans. Yeah, I like some of the things he says, too. But I think it's unforgivable that he and seven guys decapitated our conference. Well, I know you said guys, but there were some females in there, too. But okay. you're right. Guys, you, uh, I know. I've <laughs> multi-gender multi guy. I'm, okay. I'm playing the pronoun game with you, Glenn. But you, yeah. you, you're right on many accounts. So let's hope today in the closed door meetings that are happening this afternoon that these guys yell enough at each other to get their stuff together so yeah. we can have a vote. But yeah. Jim Jordan has already said it looks like we're going to have to extend this short-term deal, which is up just before Thanksgiving. So once again, we're going to play this game. And the, uh, yeah. the continuing resolution apparently was what triggered Matt Gates into wanting to kick out the uh, former Speaker McCarthy. So they're going to have to do it again because of his antics. So, uh, exactly. And I, I, I hate I, losing Jim Jordan from the Judiciary Committee, tell you the truth. Yeah, that that's an interesting point, which is also why I was also advocating for uh, Byron Donalds, because I just think uh, Jordan is the pit bull we need in in that committee. You know, Jordan and Comer together were a great one two punch on all these investigations that are going on. So uh, I thank you for your thoughts. Good, yep. solid thoughts. And uh, I pray for our country. We 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 really need some help from above right now. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, let's quickly bounce over to Mark in Millville, Delaware. Hello, Mark. Uh, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Uh, um, in reference to Fauci, and he's received the information that the genome was probably engineered by humans. Isn't there somebody on the other side that's just saying that's not the case? So I don't, I don't find it so of a revelation that somebody thinks that it was genetically manipulated when they're probably plenty of other researchers from somewhere else that that uh, contradicts that. Well, one of the things that um, we will get to, and I promise you that once we finish our quick phone interlude here, I will, when you hear the rest of the story that Jordan uncovered, I think you'll understand what Rand Paul is rightly angry about, and I think he's standing on solid ground. I think he's standing on factual ground. Because, yeah, there are always voices who are going to say it was from bat soup when it wasn't. Uh, so we, we, you'll see. Just hang with me, though. You'll, you'll hear it. I appreciate you, Mark. Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, let's grab. One, yeah. one other thing okay. in reference to, to the money and the credit to the Iranians. You say they haven't touched the money, but they have credit and can use it. Well, no, I said what the administration is saying, what the Biden team is saying. No, there's no evidence because the Bank of Qatar is saying they haven't even withdrawn the money yet. All I'm saying is I liken it to getting an increase on your credit card. While you don't have money in hand, you have the spending power because you know that the bank has already said you're getting this money. There's a commitment there. 
So that's all I'm saying. But I appreciate you for being there. Uh, let's uh, let's take one more call here. Barbara in Baltimore. Hello, Barbara. Welcome to the program. Hi there, and thanks for taking my call. Of course. Um, I have to respond to the gentleman. I think it was Glenn who, who said that Matt Gates his antics. I don't think those were antics. That was frustration from having a Speaker of the House who's been there since January 21st, I believe. Yes. And we're still waiting for what now? The J6, the January 6th tape, which could have neutralized a lot of those trials that people that are in jail now for, because those, those tapes had a lot of good information on them. And for some reason, Kevin McCarthy did not follow through with what he said. And the other thing about Kevin McCarthy is there's no impeachment proceedings going on. They had a ham sandwich on Donald Trump and had impeachment and had him in the news. They've got more than enough. Even just the border is enough to impeach Joe Biden. So, oh, there, there, there's. That. There's Barbara, there's no doubt that there is ample amount that we could be angry with Kevin McCarthy for. No doubt. The fact that, said. well, he didn't, that, he do, didn't what do what he said, said and they all went home for five weeks, Barbara. They all went home for five weeks. But I think we have to be smarter than to cripple our, you know, if you're going to cripple well, the government. Hey, let's look at it this way. If, if they went home for five weeks. Who could have stopped that from happening? And they could have worked for those five. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin could have stopped that. Uh, look, Kevin I agree with you. So, Barbara, 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 yeah, hang on. I, I really like. Uh, but Barbara, I you're coming it. out. You're coming out like a herd of wet goats here. Well, you really charge it. I love you. But here's my here's my Somebody take. Have some balls. Uh, well, somebody did. But if yeah. you're going to do that, you have to have. My grandmother used to yell at me and say, if you're going to quit a job, you don't do it till you have another job. Matt like Gates and his team should have had a replacement. I'm not talking they, about cliches here. I'm talking about real life situations. Uh, I, I am, too. Life or death. Is all right. I'm, all right. Yeah, Barbara, you, uh, conversation has to go two ways. And you're not interested in listening to me. I'm sorry for that, because I think we agree on so much. I think we actually agree on so much that Kevin McCarthy failed on. All I'm saying is you don't take out the leader unless you have a replacement leader, which he did not. Matt Gates and his team did not have this thought out through the finish. They well, got the. Yeah. Why is why is Steve Scalise, who has blood cancer and is uh, recovering from horrible uh, gunshot wounds and a minion of. Kevin McCarthy, why didn't he back down and just let Jim Jordan do it? Jim Jordan can do this thing. And Byron Donald could sit on that judiciary. Well, I I'd think, like Byron. I think a lot of people could sit on the judiciary, but I do believe that Jim Jordan is going to run that thing, run that, that um, house, and run it the way it should be done and get I, stuff done. And I have no problems, Barbara. I have no problems with Jim Jordan. With uh, Steve Scalise or Byron Donalds, either any of them being in the speaker chair. No problem with any of them. I think they're all worthy, worthy people of that job. And, you know, all I'm saying here is that if you're going to take out the leader, you better have someone to step in or what's happening now was inevitable. And it's chaos, and it was self-inflicted. We shot ourselves in the foot, and we're eating up over a week now of time. 
before we have to have to pick another or uh, move this uh, continuing resolution forward and get another budget going. I'm going to take one more quick call before we have to take a break. Thank you, Barbara. Dan in uh, Emmitsburg. Hey, Dan. Welcome to the program. You're the last call of this block. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, just quickly. I mean, I, I one of the things I have to say is I, I definitely agree with Matt Gates' position. I think one of the issues, and one of the previous callers brought it up, and, and what you're saying is he shouldn't have had a plan. He's not the only Republican in the House. He should maybe have had someone in mind, but it's not his decision. There's an entire governing body sitting there who should have had somebody in mind to take over. I think one of the biggest issues is one of the previous callers is yelling about you know him him, uh, but I think he has he has young guy energy, and the problem is most of the people there are old and decrepit and probably <laughs> need to retire. So I mean we have geriatrics. Uh, Diane Feinstein just passed away at 90-something and kept her seat. Matt Gates was trying to make a decision, and everybody wants to sit around on their hands. I think that's the biggest problem with this. Well, Matt's a disruptor. He, he, he had great reasons to do what he did. He didn't have the finish line in sight, and they didn't have a plan. If you're a general, you have to have someone behind you who's going to make sure that if you execute this war plan, you're going to have someone to help you complete it. And that was not done. That's that's all I'm saying. We both agree on this. I think it's a Pyrrhic victory, and I think we can at least take exactly despite all the losses. Exactly, and thank you for today's SAT word of the hour, Pyrrhic victory. Look up the phrase. I have to take a break. It's Michael Pelka in for Rob Carson on the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. Michael Pelka is my name sitting in for Rob. And uh, another update. Yesterday, we, we got the confirmation about yesterday's rumor that there were children, babies beheaded by these animals. And today there is a confirmation in an Israeli children's hospital destroyed by one of the rockets. So don't tell me these savages don't deserve everything that's coming down the pike for them. Every single thing. And uh, I hope they are scared to death in Gaza. And we'll, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep our eyes on what's happening in northern Israel as well, as there appears to be uh, a second front developing. But here's the other thing. People are saying, oh, my God, they're going after northern Israel. you got to remember, Israel's the size of Delaware. Delaware has three counties. I live in northern Delaware. On the, I, I live like six miles from the uh, Pennsylvania border. And if I get on the highway now, I can be at the southern tip of Delaware in under two hours. So it's not like Israel would need a lot of time to move some troops to the north. And I'm guessing they also wargamed this. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. But let's get quickly back to the phones because this topic of the House, and we believe there may have been a a vote in the committee, not in the House, but the GOP may have held already one vote trying to figure out who their best candidate would be for the speakership. Let's see what's uh, what's going on in the mind of Christopher in Catonsville. Hello, Christopher. Welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I don't recall back the last time the leader was taken out abruptly, all this um, quick installation of the next speaker. They took a while before uh, Paul Ryan got dragged over from the Senate. And, you know, Jason was like, oh, gosh, I don't want to do it. And nobody else was wanted to do anything. And what should have happened was whoever took that spot should have 
start an impeachment process against Obama for a bunch of things on uh, Judge Napolitano's list back then, you know? And... Uh, yeah, well, we can't, we don't have a time. Cut off because they took their, you know, it didn't take just, you know, two days. They didn't have no plan when uh, that all happened. You know what I'm saying? I, I, that's that's all water under the bridge, as it were. And we don't have a time machine to go back there. But this today is the most important day in our, our political life. Oh, and we have know. such a we also well, hang on a second. Hey, Christopher, Christopher, hang on a second. We had such we had a much bigger majority in that situation. We have what's known as a tenuous majority. We barely have control of the House. So when you barely have control of the House, you better make sure you're not going to screw it up like we did. It's okay to remove McCarthy. McCarthy was a subpar speaker. Right. He was barely getting stuff done. Right. But if you're going to replace him, if you're going to pull him out... You better have something ready. So I, I know everybody's saying, Mike, you're wrong. Mike, you're wrong. Uh, Gates is a great guy. Yes, he was right to do what he did, but he didn't have the whole job done. And now all of us, all of us who wear the, the R on our shirts as Republicans are, are getting the finger pointed at us by our opponents going, you guys just create chaos and we need a house right now. Yes, we do. So all I'm saying is they better get their stuff together or or this is going to be a campaign commercial for every every Democrat running against a Republican in a in a non guaranteed district. This was a dumb idea. And I'm I'm sorry if people are offended by that. But unless you have the the end of the road in sight, you don't do this. This was just, I can't unring the bell. McCarthy's out. But maybe they could get their stuff together and solve the problem today. And then we can get back to governing. Then we can get back to stopping the spending. Then we can get back to helping our friends in Israel. But right now, that's not on the list. That's not on the agenda. Right now, it looks like chaos. Chaos isn't a good thing, and i got to take a break. It's Michael Pelka in for Rob Carson on The Rob Carson Show. It's Michael Pelka in for Rob Carson. I've talked myself into a corner here, haven't I? And I sounded angry. I think I sounded angry. I'm just impassioned. Listen, I, I want strong, conservative, Republican control in the House of Representatives. I'd love to see it in the Senate, too. My mission is to bring back constitutional conservatism to the leadership in our country. That's really what it's all about for me. I'm one of those geeks who actually believes in the Constitution. And I understand what happened. What I don't understand is why we weren't ready. That's all I'm saying. Second hour just around the corner. A lot to get to. It's Michael Pelka in for Rob Carson on The Rob Carson Show. Yes, it is the Rob Carson Show. Without Rob Carson, Mike Opelka once again sitting in for the vacationing Mr. Carson. Honored to be here, thrilled to be here, trying to get to everything. My goodness. And this audience is very active today. We appreciate the fact that you are all engaged 
We must be engaged. We have we have less than 400 days before a presidential election, before an election that will determine the control of both houses of Congress, the House of Representatives and the Senate. And we have opportunities in front of us. So we have to be ready. We have to be engaged. We have to start now because certainly the Democrats have already started. So let's make sure we're not behind. Under 400 days, it will be here before you know it. I said that yesterday. You're welcome to join us. 800-922-6680 is the number. I want to talk about these Democrats because as it's just after 8 o'clock in the evening in Israel, and we are seeing what we believe is going to be the beginning of a ground attack by the Israeli Defense Forces into Gaza. And we're also seeing another attack on the north from terror groups out of Syria and Lebanon, Hezbollah, more likely than anything else. And what will the Democrats do? What will they say? I, I, I was watching Steny Hoyer. Steny Hoyer, who was one of Nancy Pelosi's henchmen. And Steny Hoyer, who just got booted out of his special secret private office in the Capitol. That was one of the good things that happened after Kevin McCarthy was taken out as speaker. The speaker pro tem went in and told McCarthy, uh, told uh, Nancy she can't have her double secret private office in the Capitol anymore. And she had to move everything out by by the next day. It was pretty funny. I'm laughing about it because I found it very funny. And um, Steny Hoyer apparently also had one of these double secret offices inside the Capitol building. They usually get offices across the street, down the block. In, I think there's four different buildings that house offices for the representatives and for the senators. And some of them are pretty damn nice. I know AOC was requesting uh, government funds to build a bathroom in her office. We should talk about government waste as well. But Steny Hoyer, who just got booted from his private office, was asked about Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib doesn't like America. She wishes we were Palestine. She wishes that um, we, we would just kill all the Israelis, I'm sure. She's never said that. But uh, she has a Palestinian flag flying outside of her office in D.C. And inside her office, there are reports that Rashida Tlaib has a big wall map of the world, and she's put a post-it note over Israel and written Palestine, Palestine across it. So they asked Steny Hoyer about that today while he was in the halls. C-SPAN asked him. It's kind of cool that they did. Should your colleague Rashida Tlaib still have the Palestinian flag outside of her office? I don't know it, man. She's Palestinian. Um, would it be nice for you to say she's American? Just saying, Steny. Uh, his defense, I don't know why she's got that. She's Palestinian. How about she's an American? Well, that doesn't mean she's a terrorist. It doesn't mean that she condones this, Rashida. I, I, have a, I, have a, I, I fly a Danish flag uh, in, at my house. Yeah, a Danish flag at your house. That's your house. That's not a, a, an office building paid for by taxpayers. So Steny thinks he's really clever here. He's got a big smile on his face. I fly a Danish flag at my house. How about you? You know what I fly at my house? You know what's out at the street at my house right there on the fence? An American flag. How about that, Steny? 
I guess I could be flying uh, the Irish flag because I, I have Irish roots, but I'm an American. I fly an American flag. These people don't like our country, do they? Um, it does it mean what? Have you been supportive of her comments? I disagree with some of her comments. Um, she lamented the death on both sides, uh, and and I think she she condemned. I don't have her statement right in front of me, but she condemned uh, terrorist activity. Yeah, but she condemned Israel. She's an anti-Semite. She shouldn't be in Congress if she wants to be a person who flies the flag of Palestine. Then she that's where she should be. That's where she needs to be. <sighs> These people. Jamie Raskin, another guy who I gave a lot of uh, a lot of room to Jamie Raskin over the past few months because, frankly, the guy's fighting cancer. He apparently has beaten it. Good for him. God bless. I, I hope he's cancer free the rest of his life, but I'm no longer going to give him any room. Jamie Raskin, Democrat, uh, was was asked about. Israel's right to exist and some of the comments from his colleagues like, I don't know, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, the squad. A couple of your colleagues have called for a ceasefire, called for de-escalation, referred to Israel as an apartheid state. Do you think Democrats are unified in their support for Israel? Yeah, we're absolutely unified behind Israel's right to exist and Israel's right to uh, defend itself. And we'll be standing strong with Israel. What do you make of the comments from your colleagues that, that sort of indicate otherwise? Well, I just I haven't seen any of those. Um, and um, that's a lie. I, I'm sorry. That's a lie. I wouldn't go out in any thunderstorms because God would hit you with a lightning bolt right now, Jamie Raskin. You you beat cancer. You start telling the truth, sir. Don't be doing this. I haven't seen any of those. My God. I haven't seen any of those. That is a giant lie. You, sir, are not telling the truth. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, these people. They they are a piece of work, are they not? Uh, speaking of piece of work, uh, there was a pro-Israel rally that um, Senator Ed Markey decided to attend and do a little speechifying. But he also wanted to make sure uh, he called for de-escalation. De-escalation. Ed Markey, Senator Ed Markey calling for de-escalation amid all the reports that we've got now verified reports that in fact that in fact uh babies were beheaded by these animals beheaded babies and you want israel to de-escalate after this there must be a de-escalation of the current violence the united states should So, uh, booing. How about that? And right next to uh, Ed Markey, uh, Elizabeth Warren was having a hard time grasping that there was booing. Elizabeth Warren looked a, a little confused, a little concerned, a little befuddled. There was booing. Good. Good. I can't believe that happened. Yeah, I believe it's Washington, D.C. where that happened. You would not expect that to have happened. So thank God there is some sanity still existing in, in, the, in the world. 
But we have to call out these people when they tell lies or when they when they say idiotic things like Ed Markey said, there has to be de-escalation. Why? Tell us why. I just watched the video and I don't know if I'll 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 be able to forget it ever again. I watched the video showing Hamas and this was a dash cam video showing Hamas outside of a bomb shelter in Israel and they threw hand grenades into a packed bomb shelter. And when the people inside saw the hand grenade come in, they got up and ran to try and save themselves. And as they ran across the street, they were mowed down by by automatic weapon fire. It is as bad as as what we saw when ISIS was beheading people. Remember those videos? Remember when we had to tell people, look, don't watch this. Do not, you, you probably shouldn't watch this. It'll give you nightmares. But imagine what the people of Israel are living now for the rest of their lives and what they've lived under for all these years. We now have news that at least nine U.N. staffers were killed. Nine U.N. staffers have been killed. Well, um... Are you going to blame that on Israel? Are you going to blame that on Hamas? Because if we use the legal defense, the but-for defense, but-for the actions of Hamas, none of this would have happened. If Hamas, and now Hezbollah, and Iran, and we assume Syria is given a wink-wink, as is Libya to this action, if they had not allowed this to happen, encouraged this to happen, there would be no flattening Impending flattening of Gaza. Hmm. We shall see. I think tonight's going to be a pivotal night. I will tell you that uh, the um, the the uh, Hamas leadership has said there will be no prisoner swap until the end of this war. No prisoner swap before the end of the war. So that means American hostages. American hostages will will just have to wait. There's also breaking news that the GOP has voted to pick Steve Scalise as their nominee. That means unity. That means unity, and that's a good sign. That's a very good sign that maybe we'll have a speaker as of tonight. Steve Scalise. We need a speaker. I just hope they don't make another silly deal. We shall see. Uh, let's let's check in on this because we're kind of coming back around full circle on the conversation we had at the end of last hour. Tim is on the phones in uh, Baltimore. Tim, we How just announced. I, I'm happy you're here. We just announced that the uh, the GOP has decided that uh, Steve Scalise will be their nominee. How do you feel about that? I think that's great. And and you made a remark a little while ago about uh, what gets did uh, through, through, through the Congress and the chaos. My point is, is that Congress has been in chaos for the last 20 years. I mean, would a guy like Paul Ryan and the crying baby burner or whatever his name was? <laughs> Boehner. Boehner. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. and, and with McCarthy, I mean, this is the perfect time for us to make a move to get rid of these fake Republicans, because now, until they're out of the House and 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 Mitch McConnell in the Senate and 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 Romney, until they're out of Congress, 
our agenda's never going to be realized, and we're never going to get things done because they block it. We had control when Trump's first two years as president. We had control of the presidency in both houses, and we were blocked by the rhinos in both houses. And I think it's good. I, I, I love Getz for doing it because he had, can I say this, the balls to do it. Well, you did say it, and uh, I always say pelotas or cojones or <laughs> testiculos, uh, however you want to say it. But here's, Tim, here's where we all agree. Uh, it, it was right to get rid of McCarthy. It was right to say we're going to shake it up, we're going to get a better speaker in there, we're going to get somebody who's going to do move our conservative agenda forward. All I was saying was... If you if you're going to do it, you have to war game it and be ready to get a new speaker in there. Scalise should have been ready on the evening of the removal of McCarthy. It should have been an immediate replacement. It would have been rip off one Band-Aid and bring in the new doctor and have him put the wound back together and let's get moving. And then we walk in lockstep together and show the Democrats that they're not the only ones who can be united. That's all I'm saying. So we will see that hopefully tonight. I got to take a break. But thank you, Tim. Excellent points. Very good points. Chaos always happens. But all I'm saying is if you're going to disrupt... You better come in with something to replace. That's just a thought. We'll give you an update on, on uh, what's going to happen with a vote for speaker just around the corner. It's Mike Opelka in for Rob Carson on The Rob Carson Show. It is a Wednesday, and this is The Rob Carson Show. Mike Opelka is my name sitting in for Rob. Thanks for being here. Just around the corner, we're going to talk economy Bidenomics, Biden's policies, what they're doing to the economy with Chris Markowski. So you're going to want to hang around for that. And as we uh, just mentioned, the GOP has come to an agreement that they will nominate Steve Scalise as the speaker for the for the vote on speakership. Waiting to see when that's going to happen. Hopefully today, hopefully today. And then we get back to business. And back to the arguing, the other arguing, the real arguing, the important arguing. And may we get back to uh, what what do they call that? Uh, uh, normal order, regular order. That's what it is. Regular order. Well, we can return to regular order. No, I, I really don't think we're going to have that again. But I just want to make sure. And I, I think the GOP may have gotten scared. And I mean that in the correct way, like scared straight. The GOP may have gotten a little uh, terrified that the Democrats are so organized and so, so connected that they will not break. They know that if if they can pick off just a couple of Republicans, that their chances of getting their way are pretty damn strong. And their chances just got a little bit better because that nut job, George Santos from Long Island, just got hit with more criminal counts in a superseding indictment, there's 23 more criminal counts against this guy. So that's a seat that everybody's looking at in uh, next election going, oh, boy. Oh, boy, we got lucky on that one. We probably thought some of the Long Island people got confused and voted for Santos. Some of the Democrats voted for him. And it was a really, really close election. And then you've got the district where Lauren Boebert is out in Colorado which that was fewer than 600 votes. That election was won by Boebert by fewer than 600 votes. And the Democrats have targeted 
that district, as well as I think about 25 others. So the GOP has just over a year to get its stuff together, really less than that, to get its stuff together and put together a a unified front and make some decisions. You don't get everything you want. That's what negotiation is about. But you need to keep your party together to get it done. I just read this morning, and I wonder how this is going to come out. Uh, Remember Steve Garvey? Are you old enough to remember the Los Angeles Dodgers with Steve Garvey? Garvey was like the perennial all-star for the Dodgers. Uh, I used to watch the baseball quite a bit, not so much anymore since my uh, Chicago White Sox have just sucked forever. But Steve Garvey has decided he's going to run for the Senate in California. Does he have a chance? Does anyone still remember Steve Garvey? He's 74 years old. He's not a spring chicken. He still looks pretty good. But I wonder, I wonder if that would give California a chance to get a Republican senator. You've got the Fonz, who's taken over for Dianne Feinstein, or DiFi, as she was known when she was still alive in Washington, Diane Feinstein's seat now under, under the control of a former Marylander. Somebody was in Maryland as recently as last month, uh, LaFonza Butler, African-American female lesbian, checking some boxes in California. You know that's going to be on the ballot when it comes time to vote for a senator. And she has yet to say whether she wants to fill out the term and run or just fill out the term. Because, you know, Shifty Schiff wants that seat, too. If it's Schiff against Steve Garvey, boy, I got to hope that Steve Garvey would get that. And then the other big news, uh, Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake, the woman who was still thinking she got robbed in Arizona in the governor's race. And she may have. The courts have yet to give her a full accounting. It certainly looked kind of hinky what went on there. But she has announced she's going to run for the Senate in Arizona, that means she will run against Kirsten Cinema if Cinema wins her party's nomination. And wouldn't that be an interesting debate to see? So there is a whole lot at risk in less than a year. A whole lot at risk in less than 400 days in this country. And what I consider to be the most important election of my generation, of your generation. And I didn't even get to the presidential race. That's the biggie. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Just around the corner. How bad are Biden's policies for America? Well, you're going to stick around and find out, aren't you? Please. Chris Markowski joins us next on The Rob Carson Show with Michael Pelka. The halftime show is over on the Rob Carson program. The band is off the field. It's Michael Pelka in for Rob Carson today on this Wednesday, October 11th. It's not a slacker Wednesday. There's a lot going on. We'll keep you updated on to everything that's happening in Israel and what are the latest as as nightfall has happened. The power is out in Gaza and maybe the ground invasion will begin. The GOP has uh, decided that Steve Scalise will be their nominee, but it was a very close vote. 
if you were counting, it was really close. So there were a lot of Jordan supporters, and there were a, a few more, like about 14 more Scalise supporters. And he's going to need everybody from the Jordan side to jump on board when they hold this vote. So pay attention. We will monitor that. We're also keeping an eye on, on our economy because I, I don't remember a time in my lifetime, and I lived through the Jimmy Carter presidency, which was hell on wheels for anybody who was just starting out trying to buy a car, buying a house, and all that stuff. But this Bidenomics is just uh, one of the toughest things I've, I've ever had to deal with. And looking at my neighbors and friends and what they're having to do and how their lives are changed, uh, we need help. So we reached out to our friend Chris Markowski, who's on the Newsmax hotline with us. Chris, I appreciate you being here, especially since, you know, it's, it's not Rob. It's a substitute host. <laughs> no, Michael, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I really do. Well, I'm glad you're here because when when you look at this economy and um, the jobs report that we got last week, which the administration couldn't wait to get out in front of the cameras and say, look, look, we had all these jobs. And then you start looking below the surface. Is our economy really in as strong a position as we're being told? No, I I, I don't believe so. And it hasn't been for for some time. And I mean, we could even, you know, Bidenomics has, has taken a lot of the, the tendencies from, uh, you know, the big government types in Washington, D.C., and really put it on steroids. And the best way I can kind of maybe explain it to people is basically Bidenomics is China anomics. And if you're paying attention to what's going on in China right now, it's an absolute mess. Um, you've got major property companies that are going bankrupt. They can't make their loans to the economies going backwards. Their youth unemployment is at record highs. They're not even publishing their economic numbers anymore. Even prior to that, their economic numbers were fugazi, uh, to, to quote Donnie Brasco. They weren't real. They were all faking in themselves. And this is what happens when you try to micromanage an economy out of Washington, D.C., when Washington, D.C. decides to pick and choose winners and losers, and when you go with some sort of nonsensical industrial policy, it gets yourself into trouble. It's like messing around with Mother Nature. You don't do it. And that's what Bidenomics has done, and it's really taken it to another level. I mean, Obama had his American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, uh, which was, again, a disaster. We saw all the companies that went under. It was basically taking taxpayer money and reallocating it. Uh, to where they saw fit. Other Republican presidents have done the same thing as well, just not at the same scale. But what we're dealing with right now is inflation that has gone completely parabolic. Uh, people have a very difficult time uh, making ends meet on just everyday items, the things that are most important, food and, and energy and housing, the stuff that we need to survive on. Those things have always been going up in price. But right now, it's gotten to the point where, you know, everybody feels like they're on a hamster wheel that keeps going faster and faster. Yeah, it's just frustrating. And I sense it myself, but I see it in the eyes of my friends and neighbors and the people at my church. I'm just more troubled that you felt like you had to explain where the word Fugazi came from to me. <laughs> I'm a guy, you're talking to a guy who lived in NYC for 23 years, Chris. Come on. You had to pull out the, yeah, it's a Donnie Brasco reference. What's wrong with you? Fugazi. Well, yeah, so I'll forgive you for that one, that one. So let's let's look at this economy. In those jobs numbers, 
Why don't they tell us that many of those jobs are second and third jobs? How is that number allowed to be put in the Fugazi zone, as you say? How are we allowed allowed to believe that those are actual like full-time jobs? And, And then there is the conundrum of how many government jobs are we going to say we can support because you need private industry jobs creating the tax revenue to support the government jobs, do we not? Oh, absolutely. And again, the government jobs numbers were off the charts as far as the hiring is concerned. But what else is a government job? I mean, is is it not a government job if, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer directs money to uh, upstate New York to build a, a chips factory that wouldn't have been built unless that money was directed there? Um, that nest is government jobs, and eventually, when that money dries up, what's going to happen to that chips factory? It's going to go under. Um, it, it's not real. It's again a reference. You know, you're messing around with Mother Nature, the island of Doctor Moreau type stuff going on with the economy that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, there are a lot of job openings in the United States, and you're right. You know, people are having to go out and work. You know, second and third jobs to make ends meet, and. It, it, you know, I had to do that, too, when I was younger, you know, but at some point in time, you know, it gets tough uh, on people as they get older. And again, we got a lot of, you know, clients and, and people in the state of Florida and other areas where there's a lot of retirees. And, you know, it most certainly is hitting people that are on fixed incomes at this uh, point in time and actually bringing them back into the workforce to, to some degree. Inflation is the problem. Um, you know, we're able to, to, you know, create jobs here in this country, great jobs when we get the government out of the way. And, yes, companies are going to make it. Companies are going to fail. Um, but it's much more difficult because the main, main, the main job engine in this country is small businesses. And when it's getting that much tougher on small businesses, whether it be because of costs because due to inflation or ridiculous government regulations, that's a problem. Yeah, the, the government regulation thing is what I always hear that I would have a bigger business or I would increase or start a business if I didn't have to deal with so much regulation. And under President Trump, we knew that if you wanted to bring in a regulation, he wanted to see two removed. And under this administration, it seems like that that script has been completely flipped. If you're looking at this economy, Chris Markowski, and I know you do all the time, if you're looking at this economy and you're looking at divided government, can we actually get anything done in terms of changing the direction based on the fact that we, we don't have the White House, we don't have the Senate, and we barely have the House? Is there anything we can do or tell government it needs to do? Well, again, you make a great point. It has to be incremental. Um, that, that, you know, that, that's, you know, elections have consequences. They do. And, you know, the red wave that, that didn't happen for a myriad of reasons that, you know, could have been people could argue over until they're, they're blue in the face. It didn't happen. And, and, you know, the funny thing about the Republican Party is they trip all over themselves even when they have power. You know, what happened to repeal and replace Obamacare? You had the House. You had the Senate. You had the presidency. You didn't get it done. And, you know, oftentimes Republicans have power. They get the same inclination that Democrats do. They want to spend and spend and spend and spend. And, you know, more control. It's my turn to have my pork barrel spending and projects sent home to my uh, district. Uh, You you know, it's the choices that we make uh, that are going to define us. And we're going to have to start making better choices when it comes to uh, people we send to Washington, D.C., and the policies that they need to implement. 
Um, again, sometimes gridlock is, is actually a good thing. They can do no harm. You know, you talk about, you know, the ridiculous regulatory state that we're in. That's the, the drain the swamp that didn't happen. You know, the drain the swamp that needs to happen is all of these acronym agencies need to go away. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy talks a lot about this on, on his campaign trail. These are, these are these various different agencies that, uh, you know, act as judge, jury, and executioner. You know, last time I checked, he said, you know, you're a child of the 70s or grew up in the 72s. I'm sure you remember Schoolhouse Rock, and I'm just a bill and how it was created. We don't do that anymore. They, they don't do anything. It's, it's the regulatory agencies that end up deciding what's going to do, and it puts costs on all of us. Yeah. It's it's looking at the the woke regulations that will take away gas stoves, that will take away gas furnaces, that will look at putting smart meters on your air conditioners and your heaters and regulate how much you can use as well as water usage. And those regulations are choking freedoms on every level. Let's look at this before. You know, I don't want to run out of time with you, Chris Markowski. Uh, let's look at the situation globally right now. You have, of course, the conflict that the war that is just really getting started, Israel declaring war on Hamas, and I believe they're going to flatten that area. There is going to be a need for more um, ammunition, more munitions, more rockets for the Iron Dome to protect Israel. You also have the ongoing almost 600 days of a war between Russia and Ukraine that Russia started. You have China uh, rattling sabers uh, around Taiwan, talking about doing something there. And you've got, well, everything else happening in the world. Uh, where, where are the opportunities in this economy? And there I know I have some friends that are saying, hey, look, this war in Israel, if it's a short, it's going to help the defense contractors. Maybe we should buy defense stocks. I don't want to look at anything grisly like that. But are we in an opportunity Right here, or are we in a risk position? Well, good point. The defense stocks, and yeah, I talked about that for a while. It wasn't even just with this conflict for Israel. It's also the um, you know amount of money that's being spent in, in the Ukraine. Um, you know that Biden wants to uh, administration and many Republicans as well. They want to push for another hundred billion dollars uh, for Ukraine, uh, just to make it last the money to last prior you know to the twenty go through the twenty twenty four. Election and put that into perspective. That's more money than Russia spends on its military over the course of the year, and we've already spent 100 and you know 17 billion dollars. So yeah, that's always been a big business. Um, you know, again, we're right now working at a point in time when a lot of the you know the, the Biden initiatives haven't even kicked into gear yet for for all of the stuff that he has put forward. So you got a lot of infrastructure type you know companies and, and companies are going to be benefit. Uh, from that, you know, and the build-outs and the, the government money that hasn't been spent as of yet. The thing about the conflicts, you know, and, and again, it's true, but it's a position our nation is in, is that we end up becoming the, uh, you know, the, the safety net. And there's always that flight to quality uh, when you have situations and, and money tends to flow to the United States when you see conflicts like this. Hmm. So uh, if we're looking at the overall economy, we know there are risks to it based on just what, what we're facing and the, and the constant spending that creates the inflation. Are there opportunities on the horizon? Is it AI? Is it tech again that will bail out our economy in the future? Or is it back to, um, you know, the basics, the home, the soap and the home goods that that will bring us back to prosperity? 
basket. I, I don't think that, you know, tech necessarily bails it out. You take a look at the stock market. They mentioned the seven companies that have done extraordinarily well in comparison to the rest of the, the S&P 500. And they're going to go on runs like that for a period of time. And, and yes, yeah, there's a lot of great things that they're developing and, there's, and they're doing at this point. But, you know, it's, it's the basket and it's the diversification that one needs to have I mean, it's a myriad of different industries that is going to make you successful. And then when you have an area that does well, like tech, you're able to take some profits off the table and reallocate them in areas that haven't done as well. And that's the type of balance that you need to do to be successful. Before I let you go, Chris Markowski, are you worried about the automotive industry strike hurting our economy? It's a billion and a half dollars a week in you know money to people who are attached to that economy. Are you worried about that? Uh, I'm not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about if the the automakers concede, because if they do, we're going to have to bail them out again, because the business model will once again be unsustainable, just like we did last time. You know, Bush and Obama bailing out the automakers. Taxpayers lost over 10 billion dollars on that deal. Um, And we're right back where we started again. Um, you know, we've got too big to fail banks, and now we've got too big to fail automakers, it seems to me. And if they, they, they you know, concede on these contracts, especially with all of these mandates that they're putting on in regards to EVs, those companies can't make it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm worried about that, too, because that's not a sustainable situation. Great points, great information. Chris, where's the best place to find you? On our website, uh, Watchdog on Wall Street dot com and uh, all sorts of great stuff there or podcasts and all sorts of great information and great information here and we appreciate it chris markowski on the newsmax hotline thank you sir have a great rest of your day thanks michael appreciate it have a good one and there he goes and here i go it's michael pelka in for rob carson on the rob carson show It is the Rob Carson Show. Mike Opelka, my name, sitting in for Rob Carson. And there is so much here today. So much going on today. I hope I can get to all of it. When uh, when we just uh, were talking there about uh, a little Bidenomics happening, and Chris Markowski was with us, the watchdog on Wall Street. And we were talking about um, the money that this government is taking, your money, your billions and billions of dollars and giving it to companies that they are picking as winners. It's not a free market situation. It it troubles me because I look at all of these green initiatives and you're speaking to or you're hearing from a recovering electric vehicle owner. That's right. I owned an electric car for three and a half years. I didn't buy it to save the planet. I bought it because I thought it was cool. It really went fast, and it was uh, all techie and everything. It was a Tesla Model 3, the little one. And I had a blast with it, but then I did my homework, and I read how the batteries are created and what the mining of the rare earth minerals does to children in the countries where they have no safety stuff. And then I read what you have to do to the batteries when they wear out. And then I realized it was more expensive to operate an electric vehicle, at least for me, because it eats tires. 
It's so heavy. I went through three sets of tires in three and a half years. Think about that. And I wasn't driving 100 miles a day. It was 36,000 miles in three and a half years. And I went through three sets of tires. They're also more expensive to insure because they're more expensive to fix. Especially a Tesla. You have to get it fixed at the Tesla dealership and they aren't everywhere and the parts aren't readily available. So I went back to the gooey dinosaur juice. And I'm, I'm very happy I did. But I also started looking into all the other alternative energy sources. And solar energy is a gigantic mess. If you're, if you're paying attention today, you can't avoid the graveyards of windmill blades from these giant turbines all over the country. These turbines that are being built and wind farms that are not only killing birds by the thousands, but they're not recyclable elements. Those windmills have to be buried, and they will be there forever. And then there's the ones that are offshore here on the East Coast. We've had a lot of whales and seals and dolphins, etc., beaching themselves because their sonar is crippled. I'm not a greenie. I'm a person who deals with facts. And we'll talk more about that just around the corner. It's Michael Pelka in for Rob Carson on The Rob Carson Show. I can't believe it's time for me to get out of here. Michael Pelka, my name. Find me at puropelka.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And, you know, while you're at it, you know, if you've uh, enjoyed the show and, you, and you're a Trump supporter and you're a Newsmax follower, you should get the Newsmax app. It's real easy. Download it and you can follow everything. Newsmax is going on, including Rob Schmidt. Seven o'clock Eastern every night. I start my night there. You should too. Uh, we may be back together again in the future. Until then, thank you for keeping me on the rails, Ian, and thanks to everybody for supporting the show. It's Michael Pelka, and for Rob Carson on the Rob Carson Show.